and instructed his staff to go back and find out why the taxpayers are paying to heat toilet water. But he knew it was heated because he stuck his hand in it to find out. (laughs) Okay, ready? This is it? This is the show? What's with the pineapple? A brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a, a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary. One whole year of What's With a Pineapple podcast. They said it couldn't be done. And we forced it. And we forced it. (laughs) There you go. I can't believe it's been a year already. Yeah, we put some good content out there, I think. Some Some interesting conversations. Uh, It can be a challenge sometimes to to work it in, but I I, I enjoy this aspect of the job quite a bit, so I I hope that we find time to do this even more in 2023. And some great titles. Great titles. I think this title is going to be a good one, too. Yeah, stay tuned. All right, we are rolling right into the holidays. How do, you, how do you feel about the holidays? Do you guys have any traditions? Actually, let's start by introducing that third voice that, that entered the conversation. We have Johnny Mack back on the pod. Repeat guest. But yeah, glad to be back. Uh, do I get a second mug? No. No, budgets are strapped. <laughs> Maybe if you start showcasing it around town as much as some of our other guests have, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, we need a little ROI here. I agree. I agree. It's fair. Okay, into holiday traditions. How do you guys feel about the holidays? What are your traditions? How do you feel about it? That's a podcast of its own that could go on for three hours. Uh, the Winslow family household has been up and running in holiday mode since a week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and because I left for a work trip the week before Thanksgiving is why they decided to set everything up while I was gone. I'm very pro get through Thanksgiving, then transition into Christmas. But I am alone in that belief. So we have four Christmas trees up wow. in our house. We have just stuff everywhere. As a minimalist, this is hard for me. I'd like less. Less is more. But I love the holiday. I love that the kids get so into it. I think mm. we must have 15 advent calendars in our household as well. Really get into the day by day. The kids' favorite, they have a Mickey one. So every day there's, there's this whole, uh, they open a new thing and it's like this whole winter wonderland of all the, all the characters. Do it's, they think it'll end in a trip to Disneyland? Well, it's going to be a big disappointment for the Winslow kids <laughs> if that's the case. Uh, I, I don't think so. An elf on the shelf? Is that a thing? No. God, no. Okay. That's a, we can't go down. That's a, that's a dark road. Terrifies one of, my, one of my children who literally flung that thing out of the house. And then my, other, my daughter like, thought it was alive and had to bring it back in. She was worried he would freeze outside. So it's, nope, we're done. And wish we had never started, frankly, on the Elf on the Shelf. But uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, anytime. John, what about you? I'm more with Justin. I'm a very minimalist decorator. I have a stocking for my dog. Mm-hmm. And if someone sends me a Christmas card, it goes on the mantle. Uh, but that is the Shout extent. out to Cassius, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Cassius. That is the extent of my uh, decorating. And this year, I think I'm going to be with my brother and sister-in-law on Christmas Eve at their house. And they're going to come to my house on Christmas Day. Nice. So that is, that is a holiday plan, but pro-holiday. I, mean, I want someone to get an uh, anti-holiday right. take on this one. I feel like you just set me up for that. You gonna do it? I don't. I, I don't like Christmas. I, I oh no. I, I don't, don't like, like it. 
Thanksgiving is a trash holiday. Oh, I love Whoa. Thanksgiving. Whoa. Thanksgiving's my favorite. That'll be the last time J-Mac will be returning to this podcast. Thanksgiving is a treasure. I but, love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite. Yes. It may have something to do with the Winslow's having tie into the Mayflower. And so, but it's, it's, it's a little personal for me. But I don't know how much you want to get into that. I but. don't. Sorry. Let's go back to the main point here anti-Christmas? No, I'm just not into it. I don't have kids, so I think once I have kids that'll change, but it's some years I just don't even put up a tree. Oh. <laughs> was, was that audible? I'm sorry. I just I couldn't control that reaction. Woo. Not my thing. I, I like can't believe years. I'm the most pro-holiday here. This is amazing. Yeah, we, we can't believe it either. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising days. We could go all the way down that road, but we've got a lot of content to we get don't to need today. To. Yeah. Justin, how was your morning? My morning? Yeah. It's 8 a.m. right now, so... It's an early... This is the earliest of the year, I think, we've done the podcast. Uh, well, well, I think it's a good segue to talk about one of the things that was uh, that's relevant, that's in our universe, and that is the expansion of tipping everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. There's a podcast, uh, Deeper Dive, shout out to... Jonathan Mays, I believe our second guest ever, yep. uh, on his podcast uh, was talking about consumer reactions to tipping seemingly being everywhere. So not just in your full service restaurants, which we always ardently defend, but any any aspect of quick service or fast casual that's doing anything now is some version of, uh, would you like to add a dollar? Would you like to give 20%? And there's more backlash from consumers than you might think by the expanse uh, of how much tipping is everywhere, which is concerning for us because I think, and we all believe here that that it has a a place uh, in our culture and is relevant and should exceptional hospitality should be rewarded. And when that's part of a full service experience, a hundred percent. That there's a lot of work, there's a lot of care, there's a lot of enthusiasm, there's personal investment into making your experience special. That makes sense to me, and I'm not alone. Someone handing you a cup uh, to go fill your own coffee where you will then bust your own table, is a little different when asked to give 15 to 20% more on top of, of your price. And, and a lot of people, more than 50%, uh, have some level of concern uh, on tipping at that scale. And so I get a little worried, and, and we should, that it, you know, is it so big now that it becomes a problem overall and, you know, it's like the one kid who ruins it for everyone else. Is that is that where we're at now societally? And so my experience this morning was, went to a, we'll call it a, well, it's not even a regional chain, it's national, to get a, a, a nice Americano to start the day to make sure I was fully caffeinated for this thing. And the, the drive-thru was, was robust, long line, people were there, that's a good sign. Uh, they forgot to put my order in. Whoops. So there's already a good 15 minutes after I place the order before I get to the window. And so when I get to the window and find that they haven't placed the order... It's a little surprising. And so he's placing the order. He's like, listen, I'm sorry. We'll take care of this. Boom, 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 boom. Plugs it in. And he's like, it's 478 for my Americano. Uh, and then says, would you like to tip on top of that? I'm like, for the experience of putting the coffee in the cup after you forgot to put it in? <laughs> and, and so I had this long pause. Long but of course, I acquiesced like most people will in that situation. Right. I gave, I, I tipped an extra dollar for for this cup, but it wasn't because the service was good. It's because uh, you didn't want to say no because you felt awkward. That experience, that social awkwardness, and you get it anytime Apple Pay or whatever gets put right in front of you, and you 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 filled out your order. Well, the prompt is not "Would you like to?" It's "Is it fifteen or twenty percent?" And you got to work hard to get off of that prompt. 
if it goes too far, do you lose all of it? Right? Is, is there a revolt of the consumer that ruins it for everyone and, and transforms the, the industry in the places including that it probably shouldn't, where, where a level of hospitality is important to the entire experience that's different than that part. And so that's, you know, that's an interesting conversation for the industry. Do you guys have similar experiences or where's, where's your mindset on this one? I think it extends beyond our industry too, more so in how I've experienced it as a consumer. Like last summer I paid someone to mow my yard once a week and I'm like, okay, this is the price he gave me, but do I tip because he's doing a service? But then if you wanted X, why didn't you tell me you wanted X. So I think it like, where's the line nowadays? How about hair? That's also a, a great one. I don't know if I'm paying $300 to get my hair done. Am I then? Am I then? 20%. Right. So the, like, wh- what? I don't know. It's, it's. Johnny, but- Johnny, do you pay $300 to get your hair done? Maybe in an entire year, I might spend $300 on haircuts. <laughs> At one time, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, I think it for the first time this year, I've been like, well, do I tip? So it's starting to breed in my mind. It also reminds me of that. Have you seen that meme where it's like when you see the iPad cashier, you know you're about to tip for something you've never had to tip for before? It's a good one. I've seen that. But I mean, I I ordered some Christmas gifts for my niece online. Didn't talk to a human being at the end. They're like, do you want a tip? Like, for what? What? (laughs) For what service am 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 I tipping? And I think in a similar note, the I feel like everywhere you go now, they're asking you, do you want to round up like when you're you're checking out at a kiosk? And it's usually for a good cause, but also it's it used to be at Christmas for a good cause. And now it seems like year round they're asking you to round up for something for something. everything. Yeah. Yeah. On uh, like DoorDash and stuff. They do that as yeah. well. How would you know? We don't use third party delivery I, services. I, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard on Twitter. I, this is why this is weird to tie these two things together. I think this is a little bit like short-term rental. Before the disruption, there everyone you know in Michigan especially, it's a vacation state. People, there's a lot of coastline. People had places, but it was it was small. It was more niche. It didn't. It wasn't everywhere, and it sort of existed somewhat under the radar societally. And then you had the digital breakthrough, the disruption, if you will. Will you? I will. will. You will. Thank you. Uh, And now it's everywhere. And now we have to talk about it. Now we have to decide what a regulatory structure, because it's become so corporatized, so everywhere. What is the proper balance of short-term rentals, of Airbnb in our life and in our neighborhoods? It's a little bit like this. And I just, you know, are we heading down a road where you can't go where you can't go back? Because I can see the scenario where these things go viral on social media and there's like hashtag no more tipping. Hard stop. That people have, uh, that they hit a wall and, and that starts spreading and that there's like, uh, a silent majority underneath that's saying, yes, damn it, I feel the same way. And then this industry is going to be challenged to figure things out on the fly after that After that happens, if that happens. That's, you know, maybe that's too deep, maybe that's too dark, but that's, that's, a, that's a fear of where you can see happening on the trajectory we're on right now. I don't think so. And when this is on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm in three years, I'm going to give you credit because this is a thousand percent something Larry David would take on on an episode of Curb. I mean, he opened a spite store, so right. why wouldn't he? Well, and tying into the short-term rental, you're seeing consumers start to rebel against that concept now because it got too carried away with the fees and the checkout lists. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's similar concepts in that way, too. So how are consumers going to start to rebel against the rest? Oh, I see so many things on Twitter of ridiculous Airbnb fees that I stopped screenshotting them because I have so many and they're they're so ridiculous. And now it's cleaning fees sometimes when they make you clean. (laughs) Right, right. 
I mean, I wouldn't know because none of us use Airbnbs or third parties, but. Right. It's true. All right, let's move. Let's move all the way on. Next topic we wanted to hit on story this week new inflation numbers out. We talk a lot about inflation in 2022, rightfully so. Good news overall for the economy. You're starting to see it it recede, still still disastrously high overall, still three times plus what it should be overall, what what the Fed is trying to get that number down to. But you're seeing the trend line in the in the positive direction overall. However, dun, dun, dun. for this industry, you're still seeing inflationary increases year over year, uh, and that's a challenge. And some of the the benefits that we have had as, for, of restaurant food in relation to uh, at-home food, grocery food, uh, you're starting to lose that advantage on the restaurant side as well. So that's that's going to be an increasing challenge going into 2023 for restaurants as well. Definitely. Do you think that restaurants need to ease up on on that a little bit, on raising menu prices? It's tough because there's some things that might happen that might cause them to have to do it anyway next year. But what what do you think? What's your take? I think they're challenged. They know the, the they know their own clientele. They know the market better than anyone. They've taken more price increases in the last year and a half than they probably had over the last ten, uh, and that's out of necessity. And in most cases, it's still not matching the increase of of overhead that they've taken on, whether it's it's you know substantial wage inflation or these commodity commodities that are still growing and are challenged to restaurants. So I they're hitting a wall on what on the willingness of the consumer to to pay the prices that they're at. You're already seeing traffic down. People are deciding to consume restaurant food a little bit less, but when they do, they go big. They want that experience. They they still don't want to lose that even if it's a, a convenience and not not the full-throated going out for a celebration experience. Uh, so they still get after that experience, but they don't they don't do it as often anymore, and so that that's that's that is the 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 trying to find that right balance is going to be a challenge continually in twenty twenty three. It's definitely interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that and discuss it on the next episode in twenty twenty three. Okay, so Atwater Brewery has created a scholarship with Michigan State University to go green, go white to help diversify the brewing industry, and also I will say fire up chips because the new president of Atwater Brewing this summer is Katie McBrady, and she is a Central Michigan University graduate. Tell me about her. I'm also a Central Michigan University graduate. You know who else is a Central Michigan University graduate? Jim Holton, who wants to know why there isn't a tie-in to CMU period here, because he's teaching beer science at CMU anyway. Yeah, he is a leader in our industry. Well, and, I knew that. <laughs> and one special human being. So, yeah, let's 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 tie a special scholarship in for CMU as well. As I say that as an MSU alum, but anyways, go on about Katie. Yeah, maybe we can make that happen. So, she is real is young. She's in her 30s and to be the president of such a large company is pretty great. So, she, it first flagged for me because of the women in hospitality leadership wanting her to join us at the conference. It didn't work out this year, hopefully next year. But she's just a young leader. But anyway, back to the scholarship. It's a $50,000 donation to MSU to create a student scholarship that uh, allows them to also intern at at Water Brewing. And it's focused on diversifying the industry to bring in more Latino, Black, American, Indian, Asian, Pacific Islander, LGBTQ plus individuals into the industry because some data recently showed that the industry is the brewing industry is seventy five percent white and male. Johnny, you're white and male. I am, and you love beer. I do. What is your favorite at water beer? 
Uh, probably the vanilla Java Porter. Ooh. One of their flagships, one of their first. Put you on the spot. I wasn't sure you were actually going to be able to pull something right immediately. Nice. Dirty nice. Blonde is the, is the best one in my book from Atwater. What about you, Justin? I also like those beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought it was a, an interesting story. Hopefully we can work more as an association with Atwater in the new year. But it's a pretty cool concept. Love it. They're doing good things. Go green. Fire up chips. Go white. So holiday trends data came out a couple weeks ago from the HLA, American Hotel and Lodging Association. And people, I think, are going to stay in the state this this holiday season and are more likely to stay in hotels, which I mentioned earlier. They're not traveling as much out of state because people are nervous about planes and cancellations and the hecticness that comes with that. So I think people are going to be driving around Michigan more when they're off for the holidays and doing a lot more. Johnny, traveling? A little bit, just probably for and Daryl, my brother lives, and then, you know, maybe around uh, around the state, but no plans to leave the state of Michigan, so I'm in that camp as well. But you did just get back from Florida, Mr. I Hate Thanksgiving. Spent <laughs> Thanksgiving in the Keys. Oh, I did. it all makes sense now. <laughs> wow, who, who could hate Thanksgiving in the Keys? I, I don't hate Thanksgiving in the Keys, which is why I spend Thanksgiving in the Keys, but sort of like Emily... <laughs> Thanksgiving's like, hey, let's all sit around all day, eat food that is only okay. Like, turkey's good, but turkey's not Turkey is not the star of the show. Right. Yeah. Uh, The sides are. Clearly not brining properly, but let's move on. (laughs) And, you know, it's usually cold or rainy in Michigan. The weather's, you know, never great. And sort of like Emily, like, I've, it was never just like a great day. So we have opposite experiences. Yeah, we have opposite experiences. With the holidays, every once, once every fifteen or so years, the Lions win. That's a special experience. You got to you got to wait for that to come, and that's that's exciting in and of itself. Right. You have an open invitation to my Thanksgiving <laughs> next year because it is the best day of the year. I will be in Florida next year for Thanksgiving. I'm just saying it's there. Just and saying. every Thanksgiving, I, I appreciate that. Also, the title might have to be Thanksgiving in the Keys for how many times we just said that. Introducing Healthy Hospitality, a curated suite of wellness solutions negotiated exclusively for hospitality and brought to you by the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. What began with savings on United Healthcare employer-sponsored benefits has now expanded to include our suite of inclusive, accessible, convenient wellness solutions to incorporate medical, mental, and social wellness solutions for your full-time, part-time, 1099, and seasonal team members. Healthy Hospitality makes it easy and inexpensive to offer your team access to services and solutions that will help make you an employer of choice. Visit healthy-hospitality.org to learn more. All right, let's move on to Pineapple Plaudits. It's a new segment. It's a new segment here, and a good one, where we are giving uh, shout-outs to leaders in our industry doing great things who are being recognized. We want to make sure that they get noticed. Who do we got this time around, Emily Daunt? Yeah, so Mad Nice is coming to Midtown Detroit, I believe, in January. It is... Jeremy Sassoon, Heirloom Hospitality's place. First ever guest, Jeremy Sassoon. And yeah, great timing because he was our first guest and we are doing the one year anniversary. It is a new restaurant, pizza, Italian food, and they're also going to have a retail space with coffee and pastries and packaged goods. 10,000 square foot space. That's a lot of space to fill up, but they always do it well. Sassoon is... Detroit is lucky to have him right now. He is willing to take risks and and to create 
an experience and to put something out there that very few in this industry are willing to take the risk on right now. 10,000 square feet in Midtown is enormous. He was on his way to opening this restaurant as the pandemic hit, right? Yeah. Uh, and with a different theme, a different approach. I had to put the brakes on, obviously. Detroit came back slower, especially foot traffic for restaurants in Detroit. Events took a longer time to come back. And so it was, it's been a long road for him to open this restaurant. But if, I don't know if you've seen photos, it is amazing. And he just doesn't do anything, kind of. Yeah, they do an he, amazing he job. He doesn't open to open. He put. He really wants to make a, an exceptional, over-the-top experience. And there's not, there's just not that many people in, in Michigan willing to elevate their game to the degree he is. And I, if you're listening to this, you should take some time and get down to Mad Nice. To call it a pizza joint would be a gross disgrace and dishonor to what he's actually putting together there. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting down there. Everything he's done so far has been tremendous. You will pay for that experience. And people, it has proven repeatedly, are willing to do that. There is absolutely a clientele for someone who's willing to create an elite experience. And he, he's one of the few people who have had the will to, to in this environment, to go through. And so I think he's going to be successful like this, like he has been uh, in others. And I'm looking forward to getting down there. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. Next one, not a member specifically, but important for the pineapple in the industry, Pure Michigan is back in action with a winter ad campaign for the first time nationally in several years. Damn right, as we should. Johnny, you a big winter sports guy? I like to cross-country ski when, when available. Uh, I did a lot of downhill skiing at one point. I've, I've crossed that bridge. I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, I'm breakable. so. <laughs> <laughs> but encourage everyone to get out you know, to Boyne, Crystal Mountain, and anywhere out there and get some skiing in. And if, if walking by dog in the snow counts as a winter sport, then I'm all in. Haven't seen a whole lot of winter or, uh, yeah. winter snow so far this year, but it should be coming. Other parts of the country are having record years. We were talking to former board member uh, and executive at Boyne who said their properties in Utah and Montana have had like record level snow, 180 plus inches already wow. this year in Utah. Uh, it's insane. I haven't quite had that experience yet in Michigan, but. I love it. I mean, they should be back out there. Michigan is a four-season state, and we should be marketing it as such, all, all for the justification of why we should be continuing a robust Pure Michigan campaign in 2023. It's a nice plug there. Winslow family going to make an attempt to ski for the first time, by the way. And they send the kids out there after Christmas, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Do you ski? Yeah, I, ski, I skied a lot growing up. Okay. I, unlike Johnny, I like to let gravity do the work mm. and get me to the bottom of the hill. Uh, I love skiing, but I have not skied much at all since having kids. So this is going to be the inaugural attempt. We'll see how it goes. And, and you know, we'll report back in 2023. And hopefully we're not reporting any broken bones. Right. <laughs> okay, we're going to transition to our government affairs segment, For Fork's Sake. That is still the title. We got It got through a whole year, maybe a year or two. We'll it's see. a great title. It's, it's my a, favorite title of all of them. It is a really, really good title. Better than Pineapple Plaudits? Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. Without even any hesitation there. Fine. All right. So, Johnny, the main reason you're here, it's time to shine. We got to recap the lamest of lame duck sessions, what some people are calling hot toilet water. 
for a lot of reasons. It's so uh, good. You're going to need that's I've, I've, I've teed it up for you. Yes. You're going to have to explain that story. Maybe that helps set the stage for what happened and more importantly, what didn't happen uh, in Lame Duck. And then let's project forward and and talk about what 2023 is going to look like in the legislature and why it's going to be different, different for the first time in 40 years. It's going to be very different, but but the people want it. So we're going to start with hot toilet water. Hot toilet water. So at this time of year, as senators and members of the House are leaving, they will give a farewell speech, recapping their time in the legislature. They're always, not always interesting. Some of them are actually terrible. Hot take. <laughs> it, it's a very popular take. However, Senator Shirky, when he was doing his, one of the many, many... Who is Senator Shirky? Senator Shirky is the Senate Majority Leader, represents Jackson and Hillsdale counties, and is, is the outgoing Senate leader. When he was doing his, there were a lots of topics covered, one of which was the temperature of the toilet water in the Senate office buildings, and he regaled the world now with, with his, him finding out, uh, by a little bit of research, that the water in the toilets in the Senate office building was was too warm for his liking and instructed his staff to go back and find out why the taxpayers are paying to heat toilet water. But he knew it was heated because he stuck his hand in it to find out. <laughs> after, after two days of sensing it was warm, <laughs> I'll let you guys figure out why he sensed that. Uh, he, he did some, some in-person research the third day and, and stuck his hand in there to make sure it was, it was warm and it was too warm for him. I'm going to zag on you here. I I think he is that dedicated to the taxpayers of this state of Michigan that he's willing to put his hand in what apparently is hot toilet water for all of us to keep the cost down for you and your family. You're going to miss that when it's gone. You don't have to suck up anymore, my man. (laughs) I said it with a straight face. I feel pretty good about that. The the, the legislature is a John Siney day. They they cannot come back. (laughs) But, But lame duck, as Judson mentioned, lame duck... For those who don't know, lame duck is the time after the election, uh, before the next session, when usually a flurry of activity happens and usually some major pieces of legislation are passed. Uh, this year, that was not the case. At, in November election, both chambers went blue. So both chambers went from Republican to Democrat, and the statewide candidates all stayed Democrat. So for the first time since 1983, Michigan is a completely blue state. So the legislature was not in a great mood. To, to pass anything. And obviously, the governor was willing to negotiate on some items, but also said, I have a complete majority coming back. You guys can pass some stuff if you want to, but it looks like anything that was passed that was negotiated is going to get vetoed. So we were we pushed really, really hard for something on tip credit minimum wage. Uh, we're not successful. We were able to ensure that some short-term rental stuff did not pass that would have been really bad. Uh, and there was a workforce housing package that went through when the governor has signed. So we were successful in some areas, not successful in others. And as we look toward 2023, uh, waiting to see what happens in court on tip credit minimum wage, that will be on the list. We're moving a sunset on cocktails to go, uh, which if we don't do, that will expire in 2025. Some MLCC work to be done, keeping an eye on short-term rental, and then you know a, a myriad of other other items that pop up out there. I had quick conversation with Angela Whitwer yesterday afternoon. She's going to be the House Probes Chair and a key leader in the House. And they let me know that that workforce and housing and mental health are going to be some of their key focuses. And those are obviously all things that that touch this industry. So, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm nervous about some things, but also excited for maybe a, a different and, you know, fresher perspective to come in on, on some, of, you know, the 
non-top line issue of this industry, which, you know, mental health, affordable housing, workforce development, things like that. Yeah, there's a lot to lot to unpack there. It will be different. Johnny, you and I both worked in this town a long time. We have never experienced a time where a Democrat's controlled everything around here. So there's not something we can draw from experience to say exactly what it's going to be like. But yeah, I think I think fresh perspective is it. To your point, it seems like they are going to ease in into 2023 with some things that are, are long overdue uh, and not overwhelmingly controversial. And some things that go into the social world, not our world as a business trade association, right out of the gate. But I'm not going to move past lame duck that easily. I It was an abomination that we couldn't get something done on, on minimum wage, knowing that there's a potential court ruling that could be devastating to this industry hanging out there, that the Senate majority leader knew it. Understood it and agreed with it, yes. but didn't have the wherewithal to want to see anything across the finish line. And a House Speaker that was somewhat in the same boat and had a a caucus that was unsure whether they wanted to stay for the full three weeks necessary to get this done. But you also had a governor of the opposite party who's saying we needed to get something done as well. There was obviously an, uh, uh, there was room, there was an opportunity for a deal to get done. We sure we surely worked our asses off to yes. try to make that happen across the finish line, across both aisles to get done. Now, ultimately, we may not see uh, a, a crisis at our door in court case. We'll have to see where ultimately where that goes. The Court of Appeals hearing happened December 13th, just a couple of days before the recording here. Uh, and the arguments on behalf of what the legislature did is constitutional. In other words, good for the restaurant industry not to see a massive spike overnight in the in the tipped wage uh, and minimum wage as well. All of that played out well, I think, in court the other day. Nothing is a guarantee. You don't know. But it, the arguments were crystal clear, and it was hard to see a, a clear line of rebuttal that made sense that the judges believed in on the other side of the equation. So maybe this ultimately plays out really well on the uh, or in court for, for this industry. But that, that assurity, that, that bird in the hand that could have been achieved with compromise, with an increase even uh, modestly in the minimum wage, that opportunity passed, and it shouldn't have. No, a- absolutely not. And and to quote the ever quotable Joe Schwartz, it was it was a goat rodeo, and it was an institutional failure. The fact that nothing got done, I mean, second low, right? So in the modern era of Michigan politics, the second lamest of lame ducks, the second fewest number of bills passing that have uh, ever passed in a lame duck session. So yeah, a lot was left on the table, and and some of it by design because no one wanted to negotiate a deal some of it just absurdly like cocktails to to go go. just being the next thing on the agenda to be taken up when they decided now we're good yeah that was that was really really i'm still pissed about that Uh, (laughs) there we go is it it because there's no opposition and it just makes sense to move this forward this was a massively bipartisan bill that would have allowed cocktails to go for perpetuity in michigan and i had random lobbyists coming up to me who had issues they're like I'll stop what I'm doing to help you for this. This is really important. It was next on the list to be voted on in the House. They took a break for dinner. And then until I sat around till 1.30 in the morning and they're like, nope, we're done. Uh, and we're not going to vote on that because it's a bill sponsored by a Democrat. And the governor won't work with us, so we're not going to work with Democrats. So it wasn't bad policy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's transition forward then. So we so next year we'll be working with new Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate. Actually, really good relationships already built yes. with, with leadership on both sides. 
Uh, I think education is going to be fundamental from our side to to talk about some of these issues. I mean, again, we're for for the a millionth year in a row, we'll be talking about how the tip minimum wage works, why it works, why why servers like it, why customers like it, why it works for operators to keep costs down. That'll be at the forefront. It will be. I have my first meet and greet with a new legislator next week. So already, I'm already starting to talk to people and get that in. But my my January and February will be uh, what we lovingly refer to as speed dating, which will be 15 to 20 minute introductory meetings with legislators hitting top line items uh, because it's going to be pretty quiet legislatively here until March. We probably won't even know uh, you know, have committee don't, don't tempt fate like that. <laughs> <laughs> Need to knock on some wood over here. But yeah, 2023 is, is going to be different, but it's it's going to be navigable and it's going to be workable. But I think it will require a even more education than, than has been required in the past with there's just a lot of new legislators coming uh, and people will bring a, a much different perspective that's been around this town uh, again since before I was born. Some of these issues are going to be in a new light. I think it'll be interesting to see what short-term rental looks I, like absolutely. next year with different perspectives of, of what's really needed. We talked about at the beginning of this podcast that clearly we're to a point where short-term rental Airbnbs have expanded to the point that some level of regulation is going to be needed, whatever your perspective is on the issue, just because it's grown so large. And I think that perspective of what needs to be done will will be changed in those who have the gavel now. And, and that's not a bad thing necessarily for us. No, I think there, there's going to be lots of issues, lots of collaboration we work on, and then, you know, there's obviously going to be some some labor issues that will pop up uh, and going forward. However, I think it's also going to be interesting, you know, when and if we have to absolutely flood the zone with servers for newly elected legislators to tell servers who are saying, "I want the tip credit, don't do this to me, I will lose money," to for them to say, "Nope, we're going to do it anyway." It is crazy how they're calling our office. Yeah asking what they can do and when they can do it. So yeah, there is there is demand there to to have their voice heard. And at some point, that's going to be an important part. It's, it's challenging of, of exactly how aggressive our role is in that process uh, to help them have their voice heard, but we don't want it to go unheard. So I think that'll be a part of right. 2023 as well. And, and actually, a quick shout out to all the servers who are already reaching out to members of the legislature, letting them know they want their elected official to deal with this next session. Because I then they're calling me and saying, hey, my servers are calling me and saying this. I, I need you to tell me why this is important and how we can fix it. So it's super important. So thank you all the servers who have reached out. To recap some of our of our efforts here in Lame Duck on, on what we what we did accomplish, nearly 2,000 letters went to legislators, uh, state legislators, state senators, state representatives. Clearly, the demand is high for something there. The industry was full of anxiety, wanted their uh, perspective to be heard. Over 100 phone calls in just three days flooded into uh, offices, not pre-recorded, not with a message, a, an actual live person calling their senator to say, don't let this fall by the wayside, take this up. It did fall by the wayside. It did fall uh, by the wayside. Yeah. Not from a lack of this industry rising up and making its its voice heard, but you're right. Servers were a large part of that, not just operators as well. And so I think you'll hear that voice uh, in 2023 as well. And you know, we've been doing this sort of state tour, not intentionally by design, Originally, but that there is a lot of interest. We, we, we go to educate in Grand Rapids or Holland or Detroit and 150, 200 people show up, all small restaurateurs wanting to know what's going on. Sometimes commercial real estate leaders who also are a little nervous that if, are, are, are my tenants going to be shutting down because they're, they're also the anchor of a property that has 15 other properties that might be challenged here. And so 
We'll keep doing some of those in 2023 to make sure the industry is aware, especially because they're coming out in large numbers every time we do these uh, educational tours. Absolutely. And I don't think we hit on, we talked a little bit about the oral arguments that happened a few days ago, but what are next steps? Because two different things. There's a legislative solution possible for this topic, but there's also things playing out in court, which they're connected, but also separate in their results. So what are what can we expect next from the court side of things? Yeah, so the hearing, we talked a little bit earlier, December 13th, there was a court of appeals hearing. That's the second highest court in the state of Michigan. A three-judge panel heard the arguments from both sides about whether what the legislature did in 2018, dealing with these two ballot proposals, the minimum wage and the paid sick leave proposals, whether it was constitutional, whether adopting and then amending in the same session is constitutional. The arguments were pretty solid on our side, of, of regardless of how you feel about what the legislature did or the specific policies at play, that it's it's pretty clear that the constitutional argument is there. And the other side really was challenged to respond to that that specific argument. I think there's an equity argument there of, of whether the legislature can or should, but there are remedies to resolve that. And there are remedies for those who, if, if you did not receive what you wanted by policy, by adopting a man, that you still have a referendum option. That means you can take that policy and take it to the voters, and the voters can turn down that policy. Uh, so that exists. You can also vote the bums out. Uh, if you don't like what the legislature did, you can vote out your legislators. That still exists. So those arguments were really compelling all the way around, that even if you didn't like what the legislature did, and, and some didn't, clearly, that it, it, the constitutionality argument is, is much, much we weaker in terms of uh, suggesting that it wasn't. So then what comes next? January, approximately, or maybe, you know, mid to late January, we should have a ruling from Court of Appeals on this. Uh, it's it, Depending on, on the ruling, it's... It, It'll be interesting to see what comes next. If we, if our side does not prevail, February 19th is still a possible implementation date, and that's coming pretty fast. If we win that date, usually we'll, that, that date will go away, February 19th, but then you're dealing with the possibility of an appeal to the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land of Michigan, to ultimately decide this issue. So chaos could be upon us in, in a short amount of time. It seems more likely that that date will not be the specific implement implementation date at this point in time. It is possible, but not likely. And, and we'll have to see what the ruling is to decide uh, whether the Supreme Court wants to engage, take an appeal, and, and ultimately decide this or not. But stay tuned. We'll be fighting the whole time. All right. I think that wraps up the uh, last episode of the year, and we'll see you in 2023. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy holidays. Thank you.